0: For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Ron Wilhoyt entitled, We Know Because. Mr. Wilhoyt. Thank you, Reg. Doyle, thank you for that prayer. I like that little bit he said about meditating on what life is. And we do do that often, don't we? Let well, i tell you what, I don't know if all of you know what a mo- monumental, I think that's the word, monumental day this is here at this congregation, because if you think back, maybe even before a time when some of you were here, a man arrived, a unique man, decided to stay, and it was a little bit time after that that this man's dad came over and we got to meet him. Now what's really cool today is we get that grandson here, the fabulous Birkenhead boys. It's just fantastic. I know we got to meet Matt's brother also, and of course his lovely mother. And there's still a few more that we want to have come over too. Dylan, it's good to see you. We got to meet him. I think that was 05 And you've changed a little since oh five. I know none of us have who you met, but but you have, my friend. Well, all right, brethren. It's good to be back. One thing that I don't want to do, I don't want to speak for any of the men who do speak, and I don't want to speak for any of the men who song lead, or I don't want to speak for any of the men who speak and song lead. But I must tell you that it warms my soul. It warms. my soul, to occasionally, and I put down insincerity, occasionally insincerity receive a little bit of positive feedback, and I was so glad, I was so glad to know that when David and Fran Hope started out on their, I guess it's a half cross country motorcycle excursion, that when they left on that they were going to specifically look for the Lord. Look for signs of Jesus. You know those Jesus pointing signs that you occasionally see on the open road but sadly and concurring with what I had felt on that first trip to Boulder is that they're becoming few and far between. Well, we just repeated that trip, being two months later. And Brian, if you'll show the first slide, here's the tally, okay? Let's step over here just a sec. Here's the tally. I I wanna say it's the unofficial tally because as we were diligent, the four of us in the car, there was some effort put into this. Unofficially, we saw three what I call Jesus pointers because they actually use his name. And then when you see the name of Jesus, hopefully you're thinking about him. One, Jesus is Lord. One, Jesus is real. One, Jesus I trust in you. Three, Jesus pointers. Okay, but notice the others. What I call throne pointers. You see these things that... I want to think about the throne of God, okay? For those of you who think that choosing life is not a choice, but it's choosing life, I kind of like that one. Life is precious. But there were two of these next ones. Two of, if you die tonight, where will you wind up? That had a little popularity there. Now, 750 miles, you got six of them. And I think they were all in Kansas. But this semi passed us by. Brian, go to the next one. And if we were, we were actually paying attention. This semi kind of blazed by us, okay? And my daughter quickly pointed out, look at the back of that truck! And we did. Look at that. His name is not the man upstairs. His name is Jesus. God's Word. See, that's not a static sign, that's dynamic, that's moving. Well, I don't know where all that sign's been, but we caught a glimpse of that one. Next one, this took a little bit to figure out. Now, from a distance, we had all kinds of ideas going on. But as we got closer, we had settled on this. Now, this was a two-sided sign. You'll see this one coming and going. But, but after a little family discussion, we decided, well, that's Jesus, Lord of the harvest. Jesus separating wheat, Jesus among the wheat, but that's pretty good. I mean, it's a long road, brethren, you know, <laughs> and it's made interesting by looking for these things, but Brian, here's, here was the goal was to get there, okay? We get there, and for those of you who have been to the Rockies, I know several of you have, and for any of those of you who have been to places that are kind of epic beauty, that's where you you just kind of, your mouth just kind of just goes, trying to take it all in. Pictures fail you when you try to capture of being there in person. So Brian, let's go to that next one. I like this one because you see the rain. This is about 12:5. Now the day before we went to Mount Evans, which is 14:2, 14, 2. 14,200 feet when you drive up there. That's how I get my hands off the wheel. I found it was a little hard to breathe, too. But anyway, the next one: Sabbath in the Rockies, one week ago today. It was fantastic. I think everyone had a marvelous time. Got another slide. The Rockies are to me what I call a Paul prover. One of those points in the world that's a Paul prover in this regard. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. But you know what really captivates me and what of just thrills me a little bit, and it kind of stretches my mind, is what David said in Psalm 90 and verse 2, which is the next one. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Before those mountains. See, that makes you think just a little bit, right? Before the mountains. Can you think of what it might have been like Can you even think, can you imagine of what it could have been like before the mountains were ever formed or before the Eternal made the earth and the world? Or before, can you think, honestly try to think of what it must have been like before Adam first thought? But before it all, I mean, that says it all. From everlasting to everlasting, the Eternal is God. Well, guys, I was a part of something that I haven't done in 30 years recently. That was the drive back from Boulder. Last time I was out there, I flew back. But made that drive back on I-70 in about 1982 when a failed trip to move to California didn't work out. I said, well, if I'm going to go home, I'm at least going to go back a different way. than I came because I don't want those people to think I didn't make it didn't make it now on the way back I 70 East just over there affixed to a a fence was something that looked almost exactly like this next one different baby of course same words God knew my soul before I was born well, this is what I want to talk about with the remainder of my time today because it was this sign that kind of got a hold of me a little bit after being where I was and having really, how could be? well, I've been one of the top three times I've ever had in my almost 50 years of living. It was really special to have been there, enjoyed the Sabbath and actually been with all of my family in one spot. But as we investigate that and as you keep that sign in mind and I also thought I was hoping he was going to be here when I when I pulled that I really thought it was little Liam that little picture it just really kind of reminds me of him so with that in mind I want to go back to Romans so we'll begin in Romans 1 Romans 1 we're going to start back in verse 20 as we read As we just read, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. But he continues, I stopped, but Paul continues, so that they are without excuse. So that they are without excuse. Notice what he says. He says, because although they knew God, okay? They knew God. They did not glorify Him as God. Next three words. Nor were thankful. They knew Him, didn't glorify Him, and weren't thankful. But became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Simply knowing... God is not enough. Knowing God is no guarantee. Because, brethren, there is an incredibly profound distinction that Paul makes in his letters. Notice how he begins his letter to the Romans, although they knew God. They didn't glorify him as God. And look at the importance on the next thing that he brings out in this rebuke of what I call these God-knowers. They weren't thankful. Professing to be wise, result? Fools. But in Galatians 4 is where Paul makes the distinction. Galatians 4, verse 8. Now this makes sense. Paul's writing to the Galatians and he says that, But then indeed when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. I follow you there. They had no clue who God was and they just did what everybody else did that didn't know who God was. Understandable. But he continues by saying this. But now after you have known God. But notice what he says then. Or rather are known by God. The introduction of this distinction. Talks about in Romans and says yeah they knew him. Didn't glorify him. Weren't thankful, professed to be brilliant, fools. Galatians, yeah, at one time you didn't know God, you did those things that people do that don't know God, but now that you know him, wait. Rather known by God. So the question is, what qualifies that? What, what qualifies what Paul's saying here when he says or rather known by God in the distinction that he makes well notice first Corinthians eight I guess what I'm saying brethren is I want to know what it takes to be known of God because simply saying I know God Could lead me to not glorify him as God. And I tell you what, being unthankful is very easy. Professing myself to be something is very easy. But so is becoming a fool. I want to know what it takes to be known. This distinction that Paul brings out to the Galatians. Now we read in 1 Corinthians 8. He says, we know that we all have knowledge. If it was a checkbox question, hey, guy, do you have knowledge? Yes or no? Most people say yes. We knew how to get here today. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. When Paul said, we know that we all have knowledge, do you think he was talking about himself too? Or just those other people? That's a rhetorical thing, yeah? Or an exclusivity issue. It's like, well, we know, not me, but we, I'm kind of throwing myself in there for, because I want you to think I'm not just talking about you. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies And if anyone thinks that he knows anything... And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. See, that's what the God-knowers were doing that Paul was writing to in Romans. They thought they knew what professing themselves To be wise, becoming fools. And then Paul to the Corinthians says, He knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Well, what he's driving home is verse 3. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 3. What I would say is the qualifier number one. I ask, what qualifies that to be known by God? What qualifies that? Qualifier number one. In Paul's words, "But if anyone loves God, this one is known by Him." So we take this, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by him, and you've got that rebuke to the God-knowers, love God, you're going to glorify Him as God, and you know what? You're going to be thankful. It's expression. To glorify God. Praise and thank God. And what an incredible thing to be known. By God. Of course qualifier number two are the words of Jesus. When he said by this all will know. By this all will know that you're mine. One sentence. By this. All will know that you are mine if you have love for one another. Lawrence knew I was going to be talking about love today because of the title. But here's the key. Here is the key. Now, see what Jesus said there in John 13, of course, is recorded by Paul. It's how all are going to know if you love one another. But look at what John wrote in his first epistle of 1 John 3, 14. Now, remember what Paul said? What did he say earlier? He said, and if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But how does John begin this? We know. We know. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. John comes along and says, we know. We know that we have passed from death to life because we know Because We love the brethren He who does not love his brother abides in death We know because It's exhibited It's what Jesus said How everyone will know that we're his And that's how we can know So the questions are Who are your brethren I've got about three over there I consider my brethren none of you in the middle maybe that back row okay let me just go out a little bit maybe it's just everybody in this room who are my brethren who are your brethren who are these brethren okay that we're supposed to love this one for another that all will know that we belong to Jesus and do you love them I mean do you know that you've passed from death to life do you love the father you say father dear father do you love the master and I have to ask how do you feel how do you feel? Because really, this kind of transcends thinking. Because remember, on the road to Emmaus, after that encounter, the two didn't say, Oh, how I was intellectually stimulated. No. Jesus caused their very hearts to burn. He says, Oh, how our hearts burned within us when he walked with us. Wonderful words of life. It's beyond thinking, knowing that you are known by God. It's beyond thinking, knowing that it is love that edifies. Now let's look at Ephesians 4. That's what I call the recipe for success in three verses. Small enough to where you can actually cut this out and put it on your mirror at the house, in your car. Ephesians 4 verse 1. Paul says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness, gentleness, with long suffering. You ready for this? Bearing with one another in love. This next word in the New King James is a good one. It says, Endeavoring. It's like our pastor, Lawrence Gregory, said on numerous occasions, endeavoring is like faint but pursuing endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and i think he meant endeavoring in the fullest expression of what that might mean in endeavoring in continuing not getting frustrated having long-suffering one for another, but it goes back to that love word. Love for one another. By which all will know that what? We belong to Jesus. That's what each of us want. To be found in Him. Known by God. And from Jesus to look down at the right hand of the Father and look on the top of your head and go, that one's mine. James 3. James 3. I think the ladies will remember this from their James study. But I hope sure the men study James as diligently. James 3 and verse 13. Sometimes I get a kick out of how some of the Bibles... The editors of the Bibles will kind of take a portion of scripture and they'll kind of put a little heading above it. kind of says, this is about this. This particular one I have says James in this part of the scripture of James. This is heavenly versus demonic wisdom. James says in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done. This is good. In the meekness of wisdom. That's a title for someone to do a message on. In the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So if you've got envy, if you've got self-seeking, he says confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. And without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It's a blessed condition. Right? Blessed are the peacemakers. I want to close with what David says. Psalm 15. I guess he's probably one of the top guys I want to embrace one day. There's going to come an embrace day, everybody. It's coming. Get your list ready. What thrills me more is I think there's someone who wants to embrace me. Keeps me endeavoring. Keeps me endeavoring. To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. David says in Psalm 15 verse 1, he says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? We all want to know. He did. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Here you go. He who walks uprightly. Works righteousness. Speaks the truth in his heart. Gets a little bit more focused here. He who does not backbite with his tongue. Nor does evil to his neighbor. Nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised. But he honors those who fear the Lord and glorify him as God and are thankful. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change, he who does not put out his money at usury. Now, there's another sermon there. That's just kind of tucked in there. Isn't that interesting? He who does not put out his money at usury. Notice here. Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Brethren, doing and loving are not spectator activities. Doing and loving are not spectator activities because we want to be found in Him. So let me ask you, how much influence do you think you have about how much someone feels about the Father? How much influence do you think you have about how much someone feels about the kingdom message and the joy that is in the salvation in Christ Jesus? Does it thrill you to know that it is love that edifies? Because you see, according to Paul, it's all about finishing, right? want to finish, in the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, and according to Paul it's about being known and staying known by God.